live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy. The only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Don't you bring that S word in here, Mr. Riley. We've still got important soccer to be played tonight. I don't want to hear the snow word being thrown around anywhere near the state of Illinois right now. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Squade with you. Tonight, uh, I was going to just promo this at the end, sure. but he had my hackles up. Tonight here at uh, 6 o'clock on WTAD, you'll hear uh, Q&D take on uh, Bennett Academy for a uh, chance to advance to the Final Four to a soccer in the state. So and that match is being played. That is playing being played in Sterling, Illinois. No Ninety snow minutes north of Galesburg. Ninety minutes north of Galesburg. Okay. That's right, right. It, no no, there is no snow in the forecast. Although it is the weird intermittent weather day, so I'm I'm wearing shorts because we're gonna be in the booth and it's gonna be a little warm today, but you don't know if the wind's gonna pick up. So I've got the pullover with me as well as the the button down. So I you know, global warming, Quaid. I have uh, to make well, all these decisions later in the year. He wasn't. He wasn't speaking about uh, snow for this area. I had asked him about uh, the the weather situation at uh, our northern, our uh, northern sorry, our boat. western properties, and uh, he, that's what he was saying. That yes, they had already experienced. By the uh, way, have snow. you put in the transfer papers for the show? <laughs> no. No. Okay, that's fine. I didn't know if you had. Uh, Seen that through or not. Coming up this morning here on the morning meeting, snow-free apparently. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, will join us. Uh, what happened when Mark Kirk made one memorable comment in his debate with Tammy Duckworth a week ago? It seems that those who have been backing him with endorsements have now been bowing to pressure through PC channels to back off their endorsements of Mark Kirk. Is this going to be enough to derail the rhino senator here in Illinois. The, isn't this just uh, uh, politics of a, an, I would say, different kind, alternate kind? It, it, it just seems like a different type of jujitsu. And it's not jujitsu of a particular candidate, but it's jujitsu of that candidate's followers. Are you, and, and this is the tactic, are you as solid about this candidate as you say you are? What if candidate says a what if candidate says b what if candidate says a and b and then hints at c are you still solid about that candidate that's the game that's going and we've seen this play out on a national level so the tactic is now being applied uh here regionally to mark kirk i understand but you just have to understand that this is that this is politics uh being played now is the the comment that has everybody uh, twisted up right now the comment that made us go <laughs> I think so. Earlier this week? I think so. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, just a quick aside, Producer Josh, keep your eye on the uh, phone there. I invited someone to call in Uh-oh. to the show to promote his town hall that is being held tonight. Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore 
going to do a Quincy Town Hall tonight, 5.30 at the Quincy Veterans Home. So if the uh, – we were texting uh, well, okay. earlier, so if he gets the opportunity – uh, he's going to call into the show to kind of promote what's going on and, and say, fill in some some details about something that, that prompted uh, or just regularly scheduled because you can't do the good the, governorship. The, well, that's, that's always it. a nice thing, you know. The the lunch with the mayor's over. So is this? Although today would have been great weather. Oh yeah, for lunch with the mayor in the park could have totally worked. Yeah, that that would have worked. And here's okay. And and here's one of the things that I remember. Uh, speaking of good weather at this time of year, we're about the same age. We used to have great warm weather for trick-or-treating when I was little. I remember that, and, and I can prove it to you based on the photos of the costumes that I was wearing. Because when we'd wear stuff that, that you didn't need to be insulated against the winter, like I wasn't wearing a coat over it, like, right, they're taking pictures, mm-hmm. Polaroids, well, uh, of us out actually in the street okay. doing it. And then as I got older, it seems it got cooler, and now I'm a little older again, and, and things are, are warmer again. It's, it's just a cycle. Well, there are cycles uh, to those. But you also understand that uh, this is a different latitude than where the two of us grew up. It's not a great difference, but there's a difference. Okay. All right. That's like that's like trying to convert our age into geologic time. It's like <laughs> there we go. So that was that was coming gone right there. But so. I understand what you're saying. But I, I will tell you that uh, some Halloweens here there were there were parkas in play. Yeah, I know. So we'll we'll see. It just kind of comes and goes uh, as it goes from year to year. Again, that's my biggest problem with the with the whole climate change issue is that nobody can tell you what it's actually supposed to be. They're just trying to push their agenda. I thought that was a uh, a great pick. So it is. We'll see. Unfortunately, well, hold on. Now I can't say what I was going to say because I used the word unfortunately. I should have not used that word, and so that's going to derail. <laughs> Nobody knows what you were talking about. They just know that there was a pick. Um, the older one starting to look like her mom. Um, there are other ballot You're just measures. Digging yourself in deeper. <laughs> she doesn't listen to this show. I she, know. She, she's too busy reading Mother Jones and Vox right now. Um. There's, there are other ballot measures that I think are interesting across the country right now, and uh, we'll get to those in a moment coming up here on the morning meeting. But other things with Ben Yount, we'll be talking about the Mark Kirk issue, and uh, we'll also talk about a, uh, a study that uh, WalletHub put out ranking several states in political engagement and talk about why that may be the early writing on the wall for the future of the state of Illinois. Now, the governorship isn't up this year. We've talked about that. That's Mm -hmm. 2018, Mm -hmm. and that's the D-Day that both Mike Madigan and Governor Rauner have circled on their uh, charts as far as the future of the state of Illinois. But other sort of political engagement metrics are revealing a lot about who's getting involved, and so that could be the canary in the coal mine for the state, even a couple years out. But right now, Quaid, I've got something that I want to call leadership behaving badly. Okay. Do we need, we need like some music? Do we, do we need to set Josh up with a keyboard over there so he can like have certain type of segment Josh, music? do you have those skills? This is something you, I need to eat. You make up some. Them, I need like Craig Robinson yeah, skills where you could just play something in, you know. Something, yeah, something very, very, something appropriate for this show. Very low end and uh, off the cuff. I used to sing the miscellaneous so, mailbag. I don't see why Josh can't sing that in was for, fantastic. for a certain segment. We might have to bring that back for this show. Second Life. <laughs> have a, uh, have a uh, what, what do they call that? Midlife crisis. And then the, <laughs> and then the bag is back. <laughs> We could have jo- producer Josh on just a little in-studio synthesizer yep. over there, giving us a little... Dun, dun, dun. 
That, but then I would end the show Mid-life every day with crisis. The <laughs> bag is back. <laughs> then I'd end the show every day with play us out, Josh. <laughs> called it. That so called it. we'll see where this goes. Yes, we might need a little uh, in studio musical ability for uh, producer Josh to back us up with these things. Leadership behaving badly. This issue, Republican side of the aisle. John Kasich, former presidential uh, hopeful Mm -hmm. and still governor of Ohio, Mm -hmm. voted early and cast his presidential ballot for himself. No. Even worse, he wrote in an uncertified name. (laughs) Now, remember, write-ins are a tradition in this country, but in order for that write-in vote to count... Whoever you are naming has to have been certified as a candidate for that office. So you can't just vote for Snuffleupagus and have it count. So you can't vote for yourself, Sean. You can, but it's not going to count. Okay. When you're in the position that Kasich is in, wasting that vote is tantamount to bailing on your party at that point. Okay, now let me get it. Technically... He did run to be the Republican nominee. Yes, he Does did. Does that make him then qualified to be I don't, to be a write-in? I don't candidate. know if he filled out the paperwork, especially in Ohio, where he then had to consider a run for governor again. Okay. So I don't believe that he did. He voted for John McCain. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, according to, the, and now you don't take, the governor did not take a filled out ballot selfie because we've had that conversation. That's a no-no. Can't do it here in this state. And it's hard to hold the Polaroid camera and point it at yourself. And, Can't and in Missouri. Know where Can't that's in going. State. Can't in Iowa either. The Ohio governor's uh, spokesman said he voted a straight ticket Republican uh, ballot in the, in the, quote, balance of the contests, meaning not for president. Uh, but he'd also given some money, about $2,500, uh, from his presidential political committee, uh, Kasich for America, to each Republican in a competitive Senate race. Uh, he said rather than voting for Donald Trump, that Kasich went with, quote, someone he could support and has also kept his commitment and demonstrated his support for down-ballot Republicans. Could have voted for Reagan at that point, would have made just as much of an impact. <laughs> Because McCain I, was not a certified candidate sure, on I, the ballot. I get what you're going I would tell you that, that John McCain is much more along the lines of uh, a, a political brother of John Kasich than you say Reagan. Oh, absolutely. So I, I, along those lines, I get his sentiment, but you're right. You would think that he would have the, the, the rules part down a little bit better than, say, you or me. We, I, I think back to yesterday's show, in so much as when we were talking about the vote for Gary Johnson. If you are a hard, dyed-in-the-wool believer in the Libertarian Party, and you know that the game is afoot for your party to get to 5% and get on the statewide issues, get in on statewide offices, you know, be on that ballot uh, from neck to toe, so to speak, then yes, you know what you're doing. If you are simply using that as a protest vote, that is a vote that is not being lodged against an enormous threat to this country's future. So you have to you have to think about it. 
if you're now, and I'm, I would I would enforce on Kasich what I enforce on on my circle of friends, which is you didn't actually vote. You didn't vote for a registered, nominated candidate. So shut up. You can't say anything. <laughs> There's no complaining about no matter who wins. Eh, no, you, There's no no. He bucked the system on purpose. He wanted to take this high horse road yeah. and make a huge show out of no one being good enough for him. STFU, John. I and I understand you you have because the freedom to he tell him abdicated to his shut responsibility. Up. He abdicated his responsibility, and he is a leader not only of the state of Ohio, but within the Republican Party as well. He was one of the final candidates still running to be the nominee. Mm-hmm. And this kind of irresponsible ducking of leadership is part of the problem. And this is this is part of the groundwork, part of the softness of the party that gave Trump the opportunity for the hostile takeover. A couple of different, well, okay, now, now you've entered a few different things now. A, there's already a protest candidate. I think a lot of people see Trump as that. So McCain Now protesting. we're so meta that we're protesting the protest, protest candidate. Right. Uh, two, um, does... This action affects Kasich's future uh, political realities. If I'm was a he thinking of, along those lines when he did it, or was he just thinking about the moment and himself? Well, he always talked about being pragmatic, John Kasich, the guy in the room who could work with both sides. Here's the problem: you just put a noose around your own neck. If I'm either major party leadership, I can't work with him because you won't come together with the party after you lost out. And lastly, I would I would tell you I understand your sentiments the the and, and it's the old if you don't participate if you don't vote then you don't have a right to complain and I have been in these arguments with people over the years. I understand the sentiments, but if there's one thing we're really good at in this country, it's moaning and groaning. Oh, and, if we could export that, we'd we'd and, have all the golds and all the and, golds. And and I've had it explained to me that under the First Amendment, <laughs> I'm I'm allowed to moan. Now that doesn't mean anybody has to pay attention to me. It doesn't mean anybody has to pay attention to John Kasich. Right. But he can moan and groan and make noise. Well, let me take it back to the very foundation of this country. If you're going to moan and groan and not pay attention, you know what you've just described to? You're now taxation without representation. And why did we overthrow the crown? Because of that very foundational line. We were being taxed in this country without representatives to, to see to our opinion mm-hmm. in, in the ruling body. If you're going to stand on the side of the road, stand on the side of the ballot box, and not vote and not participate, you're essentially acceding to taxation without representation. Because you're still being taxed, and your view, your opinion, you did not pick someone to fight for you. We have a representative republic. We have a representative republic, not a mob rule democracy. You have to go and pick someone to fight on your behalf in order for it to work. I, I again, I understand your sentiment uh, on this issue, but I, I will tell you that that's without knowing John Kasich, this is not the way he sees it. I think that uh, he did he did himself a misservice, if that's true, and left this so open to interpretation now. So uh, what does that say this, about... By this peevish and juvenile action. So what does that say, that that uh, it was probably the right decision that he didn't end up being, uh, end up with the nomination? Because if, if, if this was the the move that he makes, what what else would he have done 
Yeah, well, and from that line of thinking, he just reinforced that as well. Yeah. So we'll see. I didn't plan on getting this ramped up this morning, but when you start to when you look at something at face value and say, "Oh, well, he protested, did the protest," but you have to understand the context in which it's happening, and to think that we're only going to hold political opposition or uh, uh, diametrically opposed political thought to the crucible of, of, of how it pans out in this country or on this show, that's not the case because this is someone that was trying to position himself in such a way within the Republican Party that he didn't really have to be for anything or against anything. He just wanted to put his arm around everybody and be in the family photo on the holiday. You had Trump outlining what he was was at least against, if not for. Cruz was, was very well organized with defining his opinions. So were so many other candidates. But they weren't ultimately picked. Do we have a reason? Do we do do we have an explanation from Kasich for his McCain selection? Quote: Went with someone. Uh, he. This is his candidate reading his his release or his spokesperson reading his release. Mm-hmm. So when I say he, it's referring to Kasich. Quote: Went with someone he could support who has kept his commitment and demonstrated his support to down ballot Republicans. That was uh, his validation for throwing away his vote for president. I think there's got to be something deeper this than year. that. Well, he doesn't like Trump. I, I, okay, that's fine. That's even and shallower than... he doesn't like than... the way that, that the Republican Party handled the situation. So there's, a, there's still some, some leftover butthurt. I would say plenty. But here, here's what I want to know. Here's what I, who's Bernie going to vote for? Who's Bernie Sanders going to vote for? Well, I think we know this, don't we? Bernie's already, well, here's the thing. Who's anybody voting for right now? Kennedy? Because because in the last several days, all of that has been tossed up in the air. I mean, we have John Cass saying that Mm -hmm. Hillary should step aside and for the, for the, for the party's sake, for the, for the country's sake and let Tim Kaine uh, be the front man. I'll get into that with uh, Ben Yount coming up a little bit later, Uh, but Nobody wants Tim Kaine. <laughs> well, I would tell you that we've been saying it for over a year that there's not a whole lot of enthusiasm for Hillary either. You want to go back and save your party? Go back and get Jim Webb. Uh, that I don't know that uh, right now. Do, most Democrats are going who? Right. Well, it's <laughs> right now. It's, every does, liberal is going boo. Is Jim Webb like? Nah, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> we went on out of that first date and it didn't go well. <laughs> All right, this leadership behaving badly. And boy, I'm going to let the machine pick up. A <laughs> lot of different areas. All right, coming up, interesting ballot measures that we're considering as a society. Does this happen every time around, or are we just at a different place in our country's history? We'll highlight those coming up next on The Morning Meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. We need to try and get John Kasich on the show. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio. 930 WTAD. He's going to have some free time. And he wants to be called to get berated by you. That's, Sean Sacre, Squade. 
sure he'll sign up for that. Well, I'm not voting for him. No, I know you're not. You, you've said that you will vote for yourself. I'm not registered, though. I'm not going to. I have in the past. I am not going to vote for myself this year. Although, you I know even what? thought you were encouraging people to vote for you. You know what? Uh, uh, salty language alert. So I'll, 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 I'll give we you We don't a have that delay. Three, two, one. I'd do a damn fine job. Uh, now, are you talking about being senator? Or are you King for about, a day. I don't know that. <sighs> I would be great. That's a pretty big campaign for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 24 hours. Uh, some interesting ballot measures uh, across the country this year, uh, other than what we've been covering really in our backyard here, Missouri, Illinois, and uh, into Iowa. Uh, California is looking at what they're calling Prop 58, which would allow public schools to restart controversial bilingual programs. So Why are bilingual programs... Con- uh, so, so they're going to have classes in both English and Spanish simultaneously? Is that what this uh-huh. is? Okay. Yeah. The, the English for the Children campaign in 1998 outlawed the practice and replaced it with English immersion. So essentially what that means is you're going to come here, uh, speak the language. Is what, that's, that's the message they're sending mm-hmm. with that kind of legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nevada voters are considering a far-reaching electricity deregulation measure. It would insert language into the Nevada State Constitution to require, quote, open competitive retail electric markets. They're trying to break hmm. the public utility monopoly and jumpstart a marketplace that they hope will have clean alternative energy providers. Uh, Harry Reid's behind that. Wonder look, how much look. of the well he owns interest in those alternative energy, and see. then you had Solyndra and all that stuff. So. Okay, so this is to essentially give him and, and what a, a a boost up head start on trying to crack that. Here's the, this is what I would tell you though: if he's got something and it's cost effective mm-hmm. and it gets the job done. Mm-hmm. Let me see what you got. Yeah. Uh, Colorado is trying to become a single-payer health care state. Colorado wait, 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 voters. Whoa, 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 mm-hmm. whoa. Colorado voters are being asked to approve what's being called Colorado Care. It would finance a $36 billion universal health care system in Colorado only to cover Coloradans, making the Rocky Mountain state a single-payer guinea pig for the nation. Yeah, this, well, you, you talk about uh, the states being the, the, you know, test sites for certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I hope you like your taxes, because in order to finance this, they're going to tack an additional 10% payroll tax onto employers. Woo! People are going to love to stick around for that. Uh, voters in uh, Oregon being asked to slap a tax increase, 2.5%, on gross sales in excess of $25 million. This is from the tax the rich mindset. Uh, what it does would uh, see the largest tax increase in state history that would then be applied to uh, any gross sales that happen in excess of $25 million. $25 million sounds like a big number. You're doing business. You've got purchase orders. Things come and go. If you're only looking at the buys... That happens really, really quickly. Now you're paying 2.5% on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be some terrible for the uh, economic environment there. Uh, five states looking at the legalization of marijuana for recreational purposes. Which states are those? Wait, can you name those five states? I have no idea. Arizona. Okay. California. Sure. Massachusetts. Oh. Nevada. And Maine. 
you got to do something while you're waiting for the leaves to change colors. Massachusetts in Maine. and Maine. Mm-hmm. So California's not already there. I thought I thought they they're quite uh, no they they are very liberal with the for uh, medicinal purposes. My sister. Yeah, I was say you shared this story. I took a photo of her marijuana ID card because she has. She claims that she has anxiety. She claims. Yeah. Well, here's here's what it is. She's anxious because she can't smoke weed. <laughs> And, and now, she got a doctor to sign off on that. Oh, it's it's a whole cottage industry out there. I mean, and, and they don't have storefronts. The way they do it, it's like calling for a pizza delivery that only does delivery. So she calls, and then they bring it to her townhouse. You can't go pick it up. They wow. have no storefront. So and you don't want to do it like on a street corner. Right. And then what she does is she that comes back bad. She comes back to the ancestral stomping grounds and complains about the quality of what she gets on the street because out there... It's all high-tech. You know, you're getting your Walter White grow out there where everything's pure and powerful. Right, and and travel with it is not an option. That is not an option because it's not recognized by the Fed, so Mm -hmm. she can't take it on the plane. Mm -hmm. So that's what you've got going on there. Uh, Minimum wage is on the ballot in five states, Arizona, Colorado, and Maine, considering initiatives that would make the living wage $12 an hour. Washington uh, was seeking one to raise it to $13.50, and uh, in South Dakota... There's a referendum. This is this is mud in your eye that would lower the minimum wage, taking it from eight fifty an hour to seven fifty an hour. Huh? They're trying to reduce teen unemployment. See, they understand what's going on here. Those jobs are not meant to be head of household jobs. Just because you have a job does not mean that you're guaranteed any sort of income. The only thing that the minimum wage law does. And in, in, and I know we're late for Ben Yount. The only thing, he's just he hit the snooze bar. It's it's fine. He gets up to do this show. This had the at the time was was put in place with the thought process of we're going to protect people from essentially being enslaved mm-hmm. and, and and make sure that they are paid something. Now it's gotten out of control, and you should be able to agree to go to work for for any any uh, amount of money that that fits what you're after. This is something we've talked about with Dwayne Lester sure. at length before here on the morning meeting. And then uh, this is the last one, and this is weird. California, of course, has a referendum that would let voters either approve or reject a law that forbids grocery stores from handing out single-use plastic bags and instead requires them to charge at least a dime for other alternative bags. Plastic bag manufacturers themselves propose this as, quote, payback because they're annoyed by the role played by grocery stores. Uh, There's no further explanation. Than this that. is revenge legislation. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> this is what we've talked about with Aaron Baker in Missouri, where you have big tobacco trying to fund uh, uh, commercials and, and sentiment toward one of the propositions that would actually yes. raise the tax higher on small tobacco. Right. It, it, it make it harder on them. So. We're responsible. We'll take a, a, a raise on, on our own product, a tax raise on our own products, knowing that it will cripple our competition. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right. That's just some of the other ballot measures that are going on around the country. It's interesting where we're at. Some of these issues kind of come up regularly. Others are just a product of our times right now. So, so many things will indicate the direction of the country and where we're going other than just the race at the top of the ticket. Coming up this morning, Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff 
moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Rescued. <laughs> oh, it may not feel like it right now. You're rescued. Talk radio. Not, that's there. not a rescue. That's, <laughs> that's a setup. <sighs> All right, tell the story now. Tell it quick. There was a, a, a messy. Uh, this dog was messed up, and we found him a, a week ago. Took him to uh, the rescue shelter uh, here in town. Of course, my youngest son. Uh, fell in love with him immediately, and so we uh, went through the process. He was he was chipped and uh, neutered yesterday, and welcome to the house. We brought him home, right? So we rescued you. You're chipped, neutered, and we put a cone around your neck. Yeah, we rescued you. Why? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hopefully, we won't have to rescue Benny out the same way. Illinois, he's just the Illinois watchdog with us here on the morning meeting. Uh, ben, hopefully, you get better hospitality than that when you show up places. Well, no. Very rarely do I ever, but, but at least I still have all of my parts with me, and uh, the, the government hasn't figured out a way to put a low jack in my brain, at least not yet. Bet <laughs> you out. Illinois Watchdog this morning on the morning meeting. Last week, Mark Kirk gets colorful with a uh, shots at his competitor for uh, Senate. Went right after uh, Tammy Duckworth uh, saying, I didn't know that uh, your family had come over from Thailand to fight for General Washington. Uh, that seemingly flippant and not well-thought-out comment now has all kinds of former Kirk supporters and people who had thrown their weight behind him abandoning him under uh, calls to do so, mostly from more liberal backgrounds. You have the LGBTQ uh, uh, human rights campaign, which had been supporting uh, uh, Kirk now trying to abandon that position uh, in, a, in a state in which his grasp on that seat was always tenuous at best. It, could this be kind of what does him in? Yeah, I think I think to put the fork in. He's he's done. Uh, I I don't know where he thought this this remark was going to help him. I mean, one, it doesn't make him look very good. Just if if, if any candidate anywhere says this to their opponent, it's a head scratcher. But Mark Kirk is trying to battle two different narratives. One, he's trying to fight this 2016. I'm a Republican, but I'm not a Donald Trump Republican. And he does some really Trump-esque kind of things. Before that debate, he had a press conference with the women who were involved in this whistleblower suit against Tammy Duckworth. So he came in with sort of a Trumpian feel, and then he just starts throwing elbows off the cuff. And again, as somebody who wants to say, no, I am, I am much more uh, polite, and, and I understand the niceties of D.C., it doesn't help him there. And then the second narrative, and it's an unfortunate narrative, but it is it is part of this campaign, not even a whisper part, just it's not the headline. Mark Kirk has to fight this narrative that somehow his stroke has left him unable mm-hmm. to complete his duties as a senator. And I don't think that that comment helps him there because it does it at best it shows that, that you know, a to B to C, there isn't a connection, and that sometimes he says things that are dumb. Don't forget, this is the guy 
who talked to Lindsey Graham and said, that's my bro with no hoe. I mean, this is, this is Mark Kirk once again putting his own foot in his mouth. And like I said, putting a fork in himself, he's done. I, I think that it is a convenient way for groups that were wavering, that were on the fence, that, that, that want to back the winner to jump off in droves, rats and sinking ships and all of that. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know who is voting for Mark Kirk who looks at that remark and says, attaboy, attaboy, Senator, way to be tough. Yeah, yeah. What, wouldn't he have been better served to remind everybody how he ended up with that Senate seat in the first place and, and, and give a little context to, to kind of how he came to be as, as opposed to just being the, the next guy to mess it up? Yeah, yeah. Mark, if Mark Kirk was smart, he would say, listen, you don't want to allow both of these seats to become Democratic. Mark Kirk's entire campaign should be, hey, do you think Hillary Clinton's going to do a great job in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, don't vote for Tammy Duckworth, because you're going to need somebody who is a no vote. But Mark, Mark Kirk's problems here, he bet that there would be an overwhelming majority of suburban, moderate women, fiscally conservative-ish, socially very liberal, and that they would carry the day. He misread 2016 entirely, the, the entire mood of 2016, and this goes from Trump all the way down to state house races, is throw the bums out. We, we have no sympathy for any incumbent. But yeah, you're right. If, if Mark Kirk would have had a better strategy, he would have said, listen, bad things come from having two Democratic senators. And I know you may not like me. You may not like me as a Republican, but understand that the last time we had a purity test, we ended up with Alan Keyes as the eventual candidate, and that didn't help us at all. Uh, but, you know, Mark, Mark Kirk, and, and this is the other problem. I've interviewed the senator. You interviewed the senator. This, before the stroke, he was always kind of a smug sort of guy, and that doesn't sell in 2016, at least not when you are smug to voters. Is it just a lack of self-awareness at the end of the day? I think that this campaign was doomed in 2016. I really do. I think that I think that Mark Kirk is the last of these Jim Edgar Republicans. I think that he is the last of these go along to get along. Let's make sure that that the powers that be work well together and and sure I'm a Republican and you're a Democrat but the most important thing is that we're in the US Senate. And that may have been an idea 5 10 years ago. Now it's not that Republican voters, even even rank and file Republican voters, are tired of D.C. working together, seemingly against us. I, I think that, that Mark Kirk was going to have an uphill battle because it, it has always been a 50-50 chance that he gets reelected. Then you throw in the fact that Republican voters this year are, are furious, and that he's not. It's not just that he's not embracing Donald Trump. Kirk could have gotten away with not embracing Donald Trump. But he had to embrace the anger, the the let's let's return D.C. to the states sentiment that that, that voters are are embodying this year. You can you can distance yourself from Trump and what Trump has said and what Trump has done, while similarly, while, while simultaneously embracing the idea that yeah, D.C.'s broken and it's slanted against us. But Mark Kirk didn't, and and that's that's ultimately Mark Kirk's legacy is that he is going to be a guy who went to Washington D.C to work to make Washington, D.C. work. And since the Tea Party in 2010, 
the, the Republican Party has said, no, we don't, I don't care if D.C. works. I don't care if, if, if you guys get along. Bipartisanship is not a goal for Republican voters this year. They are willing to, to win it all or lose it all, but uh, nobody wants this idea of send me back to D.C. so that Dick Durbin and I can continue to work for something that benefits someone, just not you in Illinois. That concept for Kirk, though, is fundamentally broken, though, isn't it, Ben? This is a guy who's made his career by being warm butter spread across white bread, and we're asking him to reach for the cayenne pepper. I mean, he doesn't even know where the spice shelf is. No, no, it's, I mean, you're right. I mean, Mark Kirk can't change his stripes. A, a zebra can't change its spots. A turtle's not going to fly, whatever terrible animal analogy you want to have. Yeah, this is why I say Mark Kirk is the last of this sort of Jim Edgar type of Republican. And it, it, Jim Edgar was a great type of Republican when you compared him to some of the old school hacks that had come through the Illinois General Assembly in the 70s and the 80s. All of a sudden, Edgar looked like a, a, you know, a principled man. But Jim Edgar right now, when you see him talking about how the state capital needs to work better for state employees and pensions and the folks who, who work for state government, that's not where Republican voters are. Similarly, Mark Kirk is a guy who doesn't see anything wrong with Congress thinking of Congress first, the, the administration second, and then the voters back home third. And he missed the Tea Party. The Tea Party in 2010 fundamentally changed the way that conservative voters view government. And no one who was Tea Party or Tea Party related has any sympathy, looks upon government fondly, and Mark Kirk just missed, he, he didn't get it. It, it. It's like, you know, German disco music. David Hasselhoff's popularity in Dusseldorf. We just don't understand. You can explain it to him all day, he just doesn't understand it. And that's the fundamental problem with Mark Kirk. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, with us this morning on the morning meeting. A week out from Election Day, uh, the finance website WalletHub did an interesting study. They looked at political engagement across the states. We had some non-sequenters in Illinois. Illinois was actually ranked best in America for voter accessibility policies, and yet we're behind the mean in percentage of registered voters, percentage of electorate who voted in the midterm, percentage of electorate who voted in presidential elections. We, we have done everything but hand-deliver a pre-filled-out ballot to some voters, and yet we see that uh, most of the state of Illinois, by these numbers, not actually interested in exercising their most fundamental duty-slash-right as a citizen, these these numbers to me, Ben, don't really add up. First of all, don't ever give Democrats any ideas. Don't, <laughs> don't ever raise this idea of filling out the ballot and handing it to a voter, and then you have to change it. Otherwise, okay, Democrats in Springfield will do that. Yeah. Don't give these people ideas. Uh, I, I think that, that it, this is because of one, we get the other. Because there are so few people who vote, the, the 28th in the number of registered voters in 2012, 34th in the percentage of the electorate in the midterm in 2015, because there are so few people who turn out, Democrats in Springfield continue to try and make it easier to turn out. And, and while part of me, the, the, the participatory government part of Ben says, yeah, that's a great idea. I, I, I love early voting. I love the idea that you can show up at the courthouse on Election Day and vote. There are serious problems. I think voter registration at the polls opens the door 
to, to, to voter fraud. But never forget, when Democrats in Springfield, and I've been there more than a decade, whenever they deal with elections, their number one goal is more voters. That's all they care about, turning more people out at the ballot. And so when I see this number one, we're first in voter accessibility policies, that shows the lengths to which Democrats who've controlled this government for more than a decade are willing to go to turn more people out. Because, again, they don't have to win the argument. They just have to turn their people out. And if Democrat straight ticket voting in Chicago, the idea of you're voting your union, you're voting your union, you're vo- all of these sort of partisan accusations, it all goes to show that, yeah, Democrats in Illinois really believe, fundamentally believe, that if they can just get more voters to the polls, then they can win. And I think that, that this Wallet Hub survey shows that. Ben Yout, Illinois Watchdog. Ben, real quickly, we're kind of up against the break here. You've covered Springfield for a long time. If anyone has early voter remorse in the state of Illinois, is there a formula for changing that, or are you just SOL? No, you just SOL. Okay. I mean, you, you, you just you, there's nothing you can do. You've got to get educated. But again, you know, I, I cast my ballot last Tuesday, and then Mark Kirk goes and sticks his foot in his mouth the, the, the next day. There's there's nothing you can do. You, you know, you can't be held accountable for terrible candidates at a certain point. They're going to have to be better. Ben Yow, Illinois Watchdog, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Well said. We'll talk to Ben again on Election Day next week. Thanks for the insight, Thanks, ben. ben. We'll talk soon. We'll see you guys. We'll wrap it up next here on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. John Seacrest, Quaid, alongside you. So is your doctor a Cub fan? Uh, No. Okay, good. Matter of fact, you had the. Uh, uh, I did have a. Pa- I went to the doctor yesterday wearing my uh, my Halloween, Halloween outfit. outfit yeah. and a, a patient in the waiting room says, uh, "Are you just wearing that for Halloween? Or are you a, a baseball player?" And I said, "Yes, <laughs> my name is Mark McGuire, and I'm here for a steroid shot." <laughs> and that scored big with the staff. They they got a big uh, kick out of that. Oh, who was it? Um, a couple of years back. The, the the power hitter for the Cardinals from the right side uh, hit the home run off his knee in Milwaukee. Looked like a softball player was just in the wrong sport. D- Dark headed um, third baseman. Uh, not even that good. Probably utility guy. Um, you could you could have passed for him. I, I can't remember his name. <laughs> off the, Are you talking about one of the like John Gall or? It wasn't Gall, but guys? it was one of those guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Coming up here this evening, uh, producer Josh and I are going to be loading up Rock and Roll Minivan and uh, heading to the uh, soccer super sectional tonight. You'll hear it here. Six o'clock kick, kickoff on on uh, 90, <laughs> Hello. Uh, 930 AM WTAD and uh, online WTAD.com. Right. We're going to have the uh, the HD stream up there. You can grab that. Uh, the uh, mayor having his town hall tonight at that's the veterans home mm-hmm. in Quincy. 5.30 that starts. He was in a meeting this morning, and uh, his time just didn't work out. But we'll have the mayor on the show again sure. uh, coming up fairly soon. All right, enjoy that tonight. The QND Soccer Super Sectional at 6, and then the Mayor's Town Hall at 5.30. You can actually do both if you plan well. That's going to do it for us. Travis Aiken tomorrow as we get to the midweek point of the morning meeting.
morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.